Thanks, Scott. Thanks, John, for sharing. Appreciate what you had to say specifically. And that, I said this last service, I'll say it again, that um, that's really one of our hopes is that you really would feel connected, get connected and feel connected. And so it's encouragement to hear from you, John, as you shared that process. And I'd like to pray. There's a, it's, a, it's a time with a lot of sickness passing around. And so one of the gals, one of the... Uh, one of the gals, ladies from our church, Mary Karaginas, she is um, an older lady that tends to come to the first service, but they've been members of our church probably for like five or six years, and she's dealing with pneumonia right now. She had to be admitted to the hospital uh, last, late last night. And so I'm going to pray for her, and I'm sure many of you here are fighting off colds and things of that nature. So let's just pray, and we'll, then we'll head into our message. Father, we just... Pause to, to pray for Mary again. We, we lift her up to you. We ask, Lord, that you would do a work of healing in her life, Lord. And we pray for just a restoration of her health, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you that you um, can intervene, Lord, in the uh, area of sickness, Lord, and that you even have authority over those things, Lord. We thank you for, um, for all that we see in pages of Scripture of how we're to pray for people and um, and what you, what you can do, and what you what you even ask us to do in the midst of battling difficulties, and trials, and sicknesses, Lord. And so sometimes you ask us to endure it. Sometimes you you heal us from it. And so, Lord, we we just lift her up, God. We pray for a work of healing in her life. We pray for strength for Nick right now as he's been caring for her, and um, just needs strength and encouragement from you, Lord. So. Also, just pray for the rest of our church, for the kids in the kids zone, Lord. Just pray that you'd protect. Um, us from sickness and 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 Lord, thank you for just the ways. Even when we do get sick, Lord, that you in that time, Lord, you slow us down in order to reflect, in order to focus. We and so God, I pray that for those that are dealing with some things, Lord, that they would turn themselves to you and that they turn their attention and focus to you, and that you would speak, God, and guide. And Lord, we ask you to lead us through this time. Would you protect it? You guard the words that I share, Lord. May they be true and accurate to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's good to see everyone here again. And we're two weeks into this message series called What's Best Today. Now, can you think for a moment, can you think back in your life to a day that was completely fulfilling and productive? And what that felt like? Where your head hit the pillow... And you just felt like, man, this was a great day. I really, this had a lot of meaning. I feel like I, I gave it my all. It was just really a fulfilling day. And you go to bed just really fulfilled with a smile on your face. You had any of those days? I'll try to paint the picture of, of a day. I'll just create a scenario. Maybe this matches your life. You wake up, not just on time, but you wake up 30 minutes early feeling amazing. Not from an alarm, but you wake up like... And you're alert, as, as if you'd slept like eight, nine, ten hours, and you're just rested, and, 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 and then while you're driving to work, you're just, you're not rushing, and so you're giving people the right of way. Go ahead. You too, go ahead. You're at a four-way stop, and you're just like, you're just flagging people on. Get there, get there, I'm in no rush, you know, and you're on the freeway, you're just, somebody's trying to get over, you, you, you slow down, you let them in, because you're not... You know, and you just feel like, man, I, that felt really good. That was, that was fulfilling. And then you come up to your building, you know, where you work, and you're not frantically rushing through the door trying to beat people into 
you know, get through that hallway. Instead, you're just like opening the door and you, you see people coming from the parking lot and you're just like, come on in. It's nice inside. And you're just... Then you get into your, your work and you're focused on the day and you see what needs to be done and you focus and prioritize your day and then, and then you, you nail the sales presentation. You just nail it. You, you articulate really well and you close the deal. You get a head start on a future project. You're, you're walking around encouraging your coworkers on the things that they're doing and you're like, man, this is, this feels really good to be this productive. And at the end of the, you know, the work day, you, you cleared out your inbox to zero. Yeah, and then you head home. Or maybe for you, that's that's not your day. Maybe it's more like you you got the kids up, and you got them fed, and you got clothes on them without a meltdown. It was just a really good morning. You had a great conversation with them, and then and then you walk outside and you have a conversation with a neighbor that you've been meaning to connect with, and and then all those open windows in your mind of what you need to get done, all those chores or things, those responsibilities. You're able to close out all the most important ones by the end of the day. And dinner's a hit. Everybody's raving about your food. They love what you cooked. They clean the dishes. And you're like, you know what? Let me help with this. And you pitch in together as a team. It just feels really good, this whole experience. And then the kids go down without a fuss. Wouldn't that feel good? You know, yes. Some of you, you know, yes, that would feel really good. And you felt like, whether you're that first scenario, scenario or the second, you felt like, I made the most of the opportunities to bless family, to bless friends. I gave all my energy to making progress to what God has entrusted to me. I took my responsibilities well, and I just, this was a really fulfilling day. Now, how good would that feel to have your head hit the pillow at the end of a super productive day? That's really what we're in this series talking about. What does that look like to have... A good life. What, is it, what does it look like to make that up and, or to, to put together a good life? And really, as we looked at last week, it's a series of good days. You stack up d- good day after good day after good day. We looked at Psalm chapter uh, 37. And we looked at this, this summary of just stacking up good days. I want to show you a, a video clip from Disney's uh, movie Inside Out. And I, I heard you guys watch this a couple weeks ago. When I was away, John McWhorter, he preached, and he used not the same uh, clip, but from the same movie. And in this movie, we're given an inside look into the mind of an 11-year-old girl named Riley. And inside of Riley's mind, known as headquarters, there are five emotions, these little characters in the movie that are hard at work. And, and the leader of Riley's emotion, or the, the lead emotion is joy. And inside of that headquarters is also Fear and anger, disgust and, and sadness. And so this scene shows an important day. This is the first day of school. It's Riley's first day of school. And Joy, the, the leader, the, the lead emotion, she's inside this little girl and she's trying to lay out her plan to see to it that today, or that, you know, that the first day of school goes really, really well. So we're going to watch this clip and you're going to hear Joy's plan, okay? And listen to how it lines up with what we looked at last week. It's, it's coincidentally very, very similar to what Scripture says it takes to put together a, a, a good life. All right, everyone, fresh start. We are going to have a good day, which will turn into a good week, which will turn into a good year, which turns into a good life. So, big day, new school, new friends, huh? I know. I'm kind of nervous, but I'm mostly excited. How do I look? Very cute. You going to be okay? You want us to walk with you? Mom and Dad, with us in public? No, thank you. Yeah, I'm on it. Nope, I'm fine. Bye, Mom. Bye, Dad. Have a good day at school, monkey. <laughs> Have a great day, sweetheart. 
Are you sure we want to do this? In we go. Okay, going in. Yes. All right. We, we all want to experience something like that, don't we? But, but how do you do that? How do you come up with the list for tomorrow and the next day and the next day to have a, a good day? The little blue emotion says it. Okay, we're going to focus on today and then, then, the, you know, and then the whole week. And, and she realizes that this is how you put something together. That's actually, that a lot of times you, know, you watch a movie and it doesn't say what the Bible says. It doesn't reinforce what the Bible actually teaches. But in those statements, that was pretty accurate as far as as far as I could tell. And this morning what we're going to do is we're going to focus on how do I pour out my time and my energy into what actually would make a difference through the years of our life. It seems like as we go about our day, it seems like as we get up, there's an endless number of thoughts and emotions that are swirling around in our mind and, and we're battling with them. These thoughts are like tugging us and pulling us towards choices that would influence us. And the question for all of us is, out of all the options, this is for everyone on the planet, Every day, out of the, all the options, what is most important right now? What's most important right now? For a Christ follower, if you're, if you're one who follows Christ, the number one question is a little different. It's this question here. What does God want done today? Not just out of all the options that I want to do, but really, what does God want done today? In, in our approach to life, we all kind of follow along a spectrum when it comes to managing our time. Natively, we tend to focus on one of two extremes or fall somewhere in this spectrum. And so here's the spectrum. On the one end of the spectrum is this efficient, efficiency approach. Okay? The other is a go-with-the-flow approach. Some of us are more task-wired. We're more efficient. So we tend to feel accomplished after a day when we get all of those chores done, all of those boxes checked in our to-do list. And so naturally, we're aiming for being as efficient as possible. Others of us are more people-wired and we feel accomplished after a great day of conversations. And the tasks can kind of come up and they can kind of block our goal. And neither wiring is really wrong. All of us really need to learn to choose what is most important right now. For a task-wired person, you can get really focused on the tasks and efficiency that important relationships can kind of be pushed to the back burner. Whereas for a, a people-wired individual, you can get so focused on the relationships that the important tasks may be left undone. So either of these extremes actually can hinder what God may want done because of this. Because a meaningful life flows from choosing what's impo- important right now. It, we're, we're in this spectrum, but we've got to figure out what's most important. Sometimes the tasks are really what's most important. And it might be that you're wired like the, the go-with-the-flow person, but maybe it's the tasks that need to be focused on right now. Or sometimes it's the people. Those are what's most important. This brings up the key question. How do I know what's best right now? How do I know? And thankfully, God, He's made this clear in the Bible. We are, and this is a top you're listening, God, we were made to do good works to the glory of God. This is a huge priority that we understand this. This perspective that we were made to do good works to the glory of God. God wants everyone that He has made, everyone on the planet, to do good for others as the day flows by. But if you follow Christ, then there's this tweak. Because if you follow Christ, then as you'll see in the Scripture, He is working inside of you to accomplish the good. Look at Ephesians 2.10. Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus. He says, He writes, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Okay, this, this word good works 
The word good there, it actually means, you know, things that are kind, things that are generous. And in this context, it's towards other people. It's doing good, being generous and kind towards other people. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good work, for to be kind and generous towards other people. And it says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, in those good works. This is what God has made us to do. This verse is saying, we were made by God for good works, but then we were remade, if you're in Christ, we were remade in Christ Jesus for the same purpose, to do good for others to God's glory. Whenever we accept Him, if you're in Christ and you've accepted Him as, as Lord of your life, then He lives on the inside of you working to help us do those good works. To really be generous, to be kind towards other people. Now this whole category of good works, I want to talk about really what this means this morning. Because good works can be so far removed in our mind from our everyday life. We can tend to put good works in a distinct category that separates it from my normal living, my normal everyday living. And so we can think, I need to go, I need to do some good works. And then I'm going to get back to my normal life and I'm going to feel better because I did some good works. We might think of things like, in the good works category, category, we might think of things like taking a meal to a friend who's sick. We might think of the good works as setting up on a Sunday to help the church you know, build our, our worship center, or helping a, car, helping a friend work on their car, or serving those who are less fortunate, or going on a mission trip. We put these in a category of the good works, and we think, man, when I do those things, I feel really good, because I, I did good works. Now, now, all of those things really are good in their, in their works. They're good things to do. But God has made life so that opportunities for good works are wired into our everyday lives. The opportunity to do good is it's much more than just this distinct category, this separate thing that we have to separate from our normal life. This is actually really more of a lifestyle that God is trying to develop in us of doing good. You actually may be doing more good works already than, than you think. So I want to provide a backdrop for this subject of good works in the Bible. And where does this idea really come from? Now there's three major directives in the Bible that explain what God, is, what God wants done. The first one is this. It's, it's something we refer to as the Great Commandment. Okay? The Great Commandment, Jesus said this is the most important commandment, to love the Lord thy God with all their heart, soul, mind, strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. The great commandment. Love God, love others. This is something we're going to focus on next week. But this is something you'll want to, if you're walking with the Lord, you want to get your mind around this and, and be thinking about, how, how do I do this? The second major directive that you find in the Bible, and this is just not in one place, but in several places, you see the great commission. The great commission is given to Christians, and this is the command to, to share with others about Jesus, to help others come to know Jesus Christ so that they would yield their lives to Him as Lord. That He would become the boss. That That's our commission. We've been sent out into this world to share with people. That could be your neighbor, could be co-worker, could be family members who don't yet know Him, but it, we've been commissioned. And then there's this third great directive. It's called the Great Mandate. And this... The great man, it goes back to the beginning of time and it shows how good, how good work is wired into our everyday lives. And here it is. You find it in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. 
And in Genesis 1, this is the very first chapter in the Bible. So very, you can flip there, Genesis 1. You see in the very beginning of Genesis, God, He's creating everything out of nothing. He's speaking and things are appearing. Let there be light. Boom, there's light. Which totally blows me away. Would have loved to have been able to see that all come together. And all of these things. You know, He separates the water. He creates land and plants and vegetation and all of these you know trees you've got animals that he's forming and then on the sixth day it says that he makes man okay he creates man in his own image in verse 27 in the image of God he created him male and female he created them and then in verse 28 it says this and God blessed them he blessed the the man and the woman he blessed them now remember this is on the sixth day after he finished working to create everything He makes them, He blessed them, and it says, And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So He gives them this assignment. You're going to fill this this planet up. I've made this. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. What that means is, is reproduce. Make babies. Fill the earth. Form communities. Civilization. Inhabit this place. Okay, Fill this place up. And then He says, And subdue it. Those words subdue, they mean... In the, in the original language, they mean to force into subjection. Okay, the earth is to be something that God has mandated humans to bring under control. We're to bring it under control. We're to manage what God has created and made. And there will be work involved in that. But we're to, we're to subdue it. And then it says to have dominion. Over the fish of the sea. That word dominion, it means rule. So rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is the mandate that God gave to the human race. Okay? To bring it under control. To populate this planet. To rule. We're His managers over this creation that He has, has made. And at the heart of it, of this command, is... Hey, be productive, be reproductive, and be productive and create culture. And then if you, if you flip forward, and I'm just going to kind of quickly take us there. In chapter 3, there's the fall of man. Sin enters the world in chapter 3. Adam and Eve, they, they trespass past a boundary. They, they go out of bounds. Sin enters the world. Their fellowship with God is broken. God provides a covering for them, but they're banished out of the Garden of Eden. And as they head out of the Garden of Eden, they're not able to return into it. And then Genesis chapter 4, you see in the very beginning of Genesis chapter 4, it says that Adam knew his wife and she conceived. Now, what that means is that he knew her intimately. Okay, It wasn't like that he just knew her and, and all of a sudden the baby comes. But he knew her intimately. Okay, And she conceived and she, and she bore Cain. That's not a plant. That is a person named Cain. Is her son saying, "I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord." And again, she bore his brother Abel. So they, what do they start doing? They start reproducing. They start making babies. They're they're fulfilling the great mandate. They're they're beginning to do their part in reproducing and filling the earth. And then you find out, you start seeing in in chapter in. in Chapter 4, verse 2, you start seeing Abel working as a keeper of sheep and Cain as a worker of the ground. So you start seeing them actually working, doing some work. 
By verse 17, you start seeing cities are being created. Instruments are being played. In verse 21, people are forging tools. By verse 22, what it starts showing is that we are meant to be productive in creating culture and in meeting the full range of needs. And so you see in the fourth chapter of the Bible, they're starting to take that mandate very seriously. Now we connect to that. We're a part of that. God wants us to be productive to be in families, to be in communities, and to be contributing to them. To take responsibility for a piece of the world that God has made and subdue it. And to produce from it something that God is pleased with to His glory. He wants that. He wants us to play a role in that. And, and God's will encompasses every aspect of our life. This means that even the everyday things that I do in family life or at work, or handling my personal stewardships, like cleaning or maintaining or fixing something, those are good works. Those things that we do every day are good works. It's not just this distinct category of going on a foreign mission trip or doing something out of the what you might call ordinary. The things that we do to be productive and make life work, those are good works. Things like going to, e- going to meetings at work, answering emails, making dinner for the family, cleaning up, finishing... That history paper, if you're a student, trying to get your mind around and engaging with what your teacher is is lecturing on, changing diapers, mowing the lawn, all of those things, those are good works. And those are in obedience to the great mandate that was given to the first man and woman. And God is pleased whenever we do those things to His glory. Students, some of you are nearing graduation. And maybe in the next four to six months, you're going to be done, you're going to be graduated graduated from college and and you're going to head into the working world and with the exception of some with, with the exception of a few types of work that we would say are wrong and illegal you know we don't want you to do those things most work is noble and really matters to the lord and so don't get hung up on the idea of I've got to find the perfect job right out of college or even within my first you know few years and we can get hung up on this the, the truth is, God wants to see you being productive. What that means is that you're working hard and you're, again, you're taking responsibility for some area of life and you're contributing to this mandate. And you know, that, that can look very, very different. But if you will work hard and then through that, provide for yourself, carry your own load in life, and then even to get to the point to where you can provide for others and maybe even be a blessing to other people, hey, you're being productive. And even if it feels ordinary, or it's not what you had in mind, that's okay. Our everyday activities, this is really for all of us now, they are not separated out from the good works that God wants done. All of these things are good in God's eyes. It doesn't really matter, again, that, that, that we may not be living our purpose right this moment. Now, God, in that living our, or working in our field of study, at this moment. It's, it's really okay. But be productive. Don't become restless. We looked last week at the area of the villain of the lack of fulfillment. And that will threaten our progress if we think, man, I can only do something that is, that is you know, in line with what I studied. And it or is, makes me feel really good and I'm always happy about. At times, we'll wrestle through our responsibilities but we need, to, we need to wrestle to stay engaged and motivated to do the things. This is for all of us. To do the things 
that we need to do on a, ba- on a daily basis. You know, it can motivate me to know, you know what? I can pay bills to the glory of God. Why? Because this is how I take care of my family. I mean, this, is, this is me taking care of my family. And, uh, and that can be a pretty you know, unfulfilling process of paying bills. But everything we do, I'm sure all of us, we have things on our daily list that feel stale and boring. And it's just a fight to stay engaged. But when we handle those things on our plate with excellence, you know, you honor the one who made you. And so I want to back up. Ephesians 2. We looked at Ephesians 2.10. Go there to Ephesians again. And it says in, in verse 4, I want to give a little bit of the backdrop to this, how we get to verse 10. Verse 4, it says this. We find that the great objective of my life is to glorify God. It's the great objective that we would glorify God. We see this many places in Scripture. Paul writes this in Ephesians 2 verse 4. But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. We have this picture that we were dead in our sin and God made us alive in Christ. And says, by grace you have been saved. This is an act of of grace. It's a gift that we have been saved by Him. And raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's already positioned the Christ follower into a place of a position and of authority. It's almost like we experience something in Christ in the heavenlies the moment you come to Christ. There's a new place of a position and spiritual authority that, that you have. Verse 7 says, So that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in Christ Jesus towards us. Or towards us in Christ Jesus. This whole work of God, of God saving us through His grace... It's, it's so that in the coming ages, I love this picture, here and now and on into eternity, His goodness and His grace and His kindness might be put on display for all eternity. God gets the praise and the credit. This, this work of grace and this act wasn't for us to be put on display. It's so that He would be brought glory for all people through all that has been created, through all eternity. Now this motivates me to do everything I do to God's glory. The second thing to remember is this. It's the second bullet. God is glorified as we produce good works. God is, He's totally glorified as we produce good works, not for our own, not for our salvation, but in response. But in response to it. Look at verses 8 through 10 in this passage. Paul continues, For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And then verse 10. For we are His workmanship. Okay, we are God's workmanship. He's this, he's this one who's working on us. He's the workman, and He is doing a great work. We are created, it says, in Christ Jesus to, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. As you produce good work in your life, you're actually reflecting the Master and His intended design for your life's purpose just by doing work. And again, good work is just work that is kind and beneficial towards others in this context. Now, don't be discouraged if you, if you look at your life 
And the work that he seems to be doing in you, it appears incomplete, which is really all of us. It's not done. He's not done doing the work in us. He's still working on us. Paul actually encouraged the church in Philippi to just keep walking with Christ as he completes this work in you. Look at Philippians 1, verse 6. Paul writes, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, speaking to the church, these Christians, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Same words there of good works, but the context now is that God's doing a good work in us, but He's not done. So much hope is wrapped up in this picture of what God is doing in our lives. He won't be done with this process of crafting us. You know, we're His handiwork, we're His masterpieces in a sense. He's not done with this until we shed this old body of sin and struggles. But, the Master, He's going to finish His work and this, this is important for us to understand. And so how do we approach this? How do we approach our life with this in mind? It's helpful to not just talk about the right priorities, but to take an inventory of what's our current state of productivity. I want to give you a series of questions. These are on the back. These are just some questions for you to reflect on this week that you can begin to ask yourself this week or next to get a gauge on where you're at. A lot of these questions are really rooted in our motivation. So these probe at your motivation. Because motivation is really what determines how we go about the things we do. It's crucial in life. We don't often talk about or think about um, our motivation. So here they are. Here's the first question. When I wake up, what do I look forward to in my day? What, you know, in a sense, what am I motivated to do today? And then what do I dread facing? And then just begin asking yourself, what is it that you're... What is, what is it that that you're excited about, what is it you're dreading? Just maybe start thinking that through, listing those things out. Second question, for the things that I dread or am motivated to do, what are ways I can glorify God as I face them? For many of us, we dread the things that we don't like. We just dread these things that don't come naturally to us, that feel we feel like we're just going against what... You know, just going against the grain in our own lives. And then we have those things that we love doing and we, we enjoy doing, but with those things that we dread, we can really glorify God by asking Him for help in the moment when we approach those things. And maybe you're stuck. Maybe you're dreading doing some, some work. You're dreading doing some responsibilities because you just you hate doing that stuff. And so maybe what you can do is just stop and pray and say, God, I know this pleases you for me to do well in these things that I'm dreading. Would you give me the strength and would you give me the motivation? Would you help me to do these things well to your glory? God can do that. And at points when I've been overwhelmed, even this last week, as I, I was getting overwhelmed with some things, I just had to stop and just, God, I need, I need to focus right here on this thing. I cannot continue to be distracted by these other things. This is the most important thing to do right now, but I'm dreading doing it. But would you help me? And, and God, He can give us strength and motivation, even in the smallest and sometimes the most frustrating tasks. His strength can be displayed in how we commute to work. His strength can be displayed in how we write reports or do, do the laundry or vacuum the carpet. Because since we're his masterpieces, then the way that we work, again, this puts him on display to those around us. So what are you, what are you reflecting about God right now as you face the work of the day? What are you reflecting to the world around you? Question three, are there any other, are there any areas of my life where I'm disengaged and checked out? 
in my work, in my family, in my relationships. Checking out is a major danger in making progress. Sometimes you'll be in a meeting and you're just, it's just, you just don't like it. You don't like what's about to happen. You don't like the people in the meeting. You don't like the, the chores you're going to have to go through. And it's, just, it's easy to just disengage and just not get involved in the process. Not try to be a productive part of that meeting. But engaging with people and with our responsibilities is actually one of the greatest gifts that God has given to us. And whenever we disengage and we just let the, you know, the time pass and let that opportunity move on, We're missing something because the great mandate, again, from Genesis was to bring order, to build things, to take care of all the areas of life. And so whenever we check out from our responsibilities and disengage, we're actually cutting out a major purpose that we were made for. So God, He's put you in a workplace or He's put you in a home or He's given you responsibilities to play a specific role. He's made you a mother. He's made you a sister. Maybe a father, maybe a son, a boss, an employee. And no one can play your role like you. And so, the encouragement from him is stay engaged. Stay engaged. Don't check out. Fourth question, am I making the best use of my time? And really, am I wasting it in any way? That's the question here. Am I wasting it? Are the most important people or the most important efforts being neglected? You know, our hope is that we wouldn't just grow in, in doing things right and becoming more efficient. Our, our goal here is that we're doing the right things. In fact, that's the whole goal of reading the Scripture and that's the whole role of, or the goal of biblical teaching is that we want to discover what God thinks is really important and over time that we would choose to just line up our lives with what He says is important. And that's a battle. It's a battle to stay locked into that and engage with that. But as we do that, the motivation, it, it, it grows and the blessing comes through that. I want to invite worship, our worship team to join me back up on the stage and would you take out that connection card and finish filling that out? We're going to wrap up here with a song in just a moment and on the back of the connection card you'll notice there's some next steps. These might be some points of application this week. Number one, take the personal inventory this week. With this connection card, you can just drop this in the basket, the offering basket that lets us know that you are here and gives us the chance to follow up with you if you have questions or if you'd like follow-up. But here's some next steps. The first one, take the inventory this week. And really, I would say, carve the time out. Really, really go through this slowly. And then share your personal inventory with a friend Somebody you trust. Maybe somebody from your small group or somebody at church that you trust. Just somebody who can ask you questions about what's, what you're dreading or what's motivating you and really try to help you gain the, the, best, the most clarity from this. And then third, ask God for help in something specific related to this, to this area. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing in this world and for making us for those that know Jesus personally or thank you for calling us into a relationship with yourself through your son and for now fueling the change in us 
Lord, I pray that we would see the everyday opportunities that we have to do good work for your glory. Even today, Lord, help us to re-engage, Lord, with our responsibilities maybe that we have neglected. Help us to re-engage with relationships, Lord, maybe that have gone to the wayside. Lord, help us to get real clear this week and in the weeks to come about what you're saying is really important for us, Lord. And Lord, we ask you for help and for strength in these areas. Lord, we need that to approach these things with courage and with faith. And would you work, God, through us so that you would be honored, Lord, on the earth and in the heavenly realms, Lord. We pray for that. Bless the offering we're about to receive. Thank you for the opportunity to participate with you as we give, as we help in different ways, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.